how, could I have done that in two minutes? Wow. Am I getting better at nutshelling? Fuck. Maybe I need to be worse. Maybe I need to talk more. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, howdy, partners. Many say that you need to hear something seven times before you truly engage with the message. So I thought I would take this opportunity to say, I love you. 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 (laughs) That's seven. Oh, and also to remind you of some of the advice I have given you throughout this year. Let's think of this episode as Jen's helpful hints on how you can feel your best in 2019. Because Lauren, my good friend and amazing editor, has taken the most useful clips from all my episodes and jam-packed them into one place right here. Help is on the way. Like right now, you just have to keep listening. Oh, and take notes. Okay, go get them. Okay, so we want to feel better. Great. This this episode is actually based off a conversation I had with one of my very favorite people on the planet. And she was not, she wasn't feeling great. And... Like many people, myself included, she was feeling overwhelmed. The task at hand, feeling better, is so overwhelming. It's like, what do I even do? And obviously, I was like, uh, sit down. I can tell you exactly what to do because I've been... I've been trying to feel better since I was born and I actually think I'm getting closer. Now that doesn't mean that I always feel good um, or that I stop doing things like negative self-talk and self-sabotage and all that because I'm a person and I'm not perfect. Hopefully you've already listened to that episode, um, The Myth of Perfection. But anyways, these are the, these are the basics. This, this, is, this is what we talked about and she found it very helpful and so I was like... Let me record an episode about it. So this is kind of the order in which I would approach the feeling better. When I think about self-care and wellness, there are, there are a few questions I ask myself right out, of the, right out of the gate to see if there aren't some adjustments I could be making immediately. What is my diet like right now? What am I putting into my body? Is it good, bad, both? Is it more bad than good? Is it more good than bad? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I getting too much sleep? Is my sleep being disruptive? Am I going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time every day? Because that's actually super important and not as fun on the weekends when you want to sleep in, um, but it does help. I'll ask myself, how much stress do I have? More than usual? Can I eliminate any of it? What am I doing to counteract the stress? What am I doing to manage and relieve some of the stress? Are the things I'm doing to relieve the stress counterintuitive? Am I drinking to relieve the stress? Am I just staying in bed? Sure, (laughs) because we're people and that's what we do. But, you know, what, what are... What else am I doing that that actually might be a bit more responsible? Uh, I actually had a doctor, you know, a few years ago, 
maybe two years ago. Gosh, maybe it was even just like a year and a half ago. I don't know. I was in a really, really bad place. Uh, work was very stressful. We had just hired a bunch of people. I think I might've mentioned this before, but anyways, it, you know, the company was growing. I was not prepared mentally, physically, emotionally for the work that was being done. I also, Andrew had left, you know, we, we were getting a divorce. I had some friendships change. And now I definitely know I said this before, but one thing you'll find out about me is like I have seven stories that I like to tell over and over again. So consider us best friends if you've heard this before. Um, I just was in a really compromised place and I was getting sick and I was just heading down a bad path. Oh, also, I hadn't really addressed the part where um, I had mental illness and I had stopped taking my medication for five years and that that might be causing me a problem. And and so and I really wasn't ready to deal with all of that. But I went to the doctor because I was like, I got to get some blood work done. I need to see what's going on. Why am I so tired? Why am I so sad? Why am I so stressed? And she was like, you, you have to have fun. Like, you have to schedule it in. And this is a, this is a whole separate podcast, but something the girls and I were talking about at work, um, the girls and couple guys, work-life balance, which, which is another like quote unquote self-care sort of thing where it's like, oh, you know, work-life balance, like party and work and party and work. But, but I think it's more than that. I think if you can, if you're, if you're so committed to work and you like prioritize it, like you have to do the same thing for your, for the fun and the enjoyment and the stress relief. Like you can't keep rescheduling that, which is something I did a lot um, because I love work. But I have a standing date with fun every Wednesday night from six to nine. And I've had that on my calendar for like a year and a half and it definitely makes a difference. Another thing that you can do that is free is look at um, just like some, look, look at your perspective. Employee optimism. I made a, dis- a decision, and I'm I'm going to do an episode on this because I because optimism is very important to me and has um, framed my life and my career, and my whole perspective is seen through the lens of like hope and optimism, um, and that's hard, especially now. It's hard, but I remember being around some very pessimistic people when I was like 17, 18, and I was just like, this isn't going to go anywhere, and I made a conscious shift to just. Uh, see the glass half full. I can't tell you what an impact that had on my life. And it was free. And I could just do it by telling myself I'm going to do it. So I would do that. I would also look at the relationships you have and decide if those are toxic relationships or if those are fulfilling relationships. And if they're toxic, you might have to break up. And that, that could be a friend. That could be someone you hang out with at work. That could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, you know, um, it could be a family member. Are they, are they lifting you up? Are they encouraging good behaviors or are they encouraging bad behaviors? You know, that was something else I did when I, when I really did make the commitment to like, I need to feel better. I I wallowed in some sadness for at least a year, if not longer, which was piled on 
about six years of sadness prior to that. But, but once I did, I was like, I'm going to make some tough choices about who I'm spending my time with and like being honest with myself. If, if this was like a fun relationship or if it was destructive and discouraging. And I think that's really important and encouragement and true friendship and really fulfilling relationships come in all shapes and sizes. And they're usually not from the people you expect they're going to be from. So look alive. They're everywhere. Look under your desk. There might be a friend right there right now. Who knows? I just looked under my bench, my bedside bench. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing under here other than my sweaty legs. And then self-awareness and emotional intelligence, which which I talk about all the time. I'm hugely passionate about, but you can start building that right now. You're probably already building that. You're listening to this podcast. That's so much about what this is about. It's to me, the foundation of good mental health. And it's a great baseline for entering into actually going into therapy and, and then talking to psychiatrists and having, um, medications prescribed, like the better, you know, yourself and the better you are at communicating your emotions to someone who doesn't know you in, in and amongst people that do know you, but like, you're not going to know the doctor that well, the quicker you'll get to a solution. Absolutely. No two ways about it. So there are, there are books you can read, articles you can read, podcasts. (laughs) Oh, this is, this is another thing that, um, we talked about in the conversation, which was like journaling. So just like writing down your feelings, processing that. Uh, so, and then go back and look at it, you know, the emotional rating system. That's a huge part of this. A big part of what I did to understand like what the cycles were for me. And, and like on paper, I could see, hey, wow, I had like eight really bad days this month. That seems like too many you know, those things, you can do all of that right now. You can start learning, you can start documenting, and then you'll be able to go back and reflect and really start to get some perspective on, on what you're doing. And then you can, you know, get into phase two. Okay. Phase two in the, in the scope of this podcast is going to be much shorter, but in the scope of life is, is, equally as important to the long-winded phase one. Although I don't think it was long-winded. I just covered a lot. But I feel like once you have this baseline covered and the self-knowledge and you've like really looked at the things that you can look at, you can actually start to engage with um, some mental health professionals and, and start identifying what help you need. Now, all of that said, if you if you're feeling really horrible right now and you can get yourself to a therapist or a psychiatrist, like I would just do it. I'm not saying like suffer, 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 struggle. Um, but maybe at least take a look at the at the other things that I've outlined and like figure out like do I like take an inventory of your life. And, and so at least you're aware of that stuff. But if you're feeling like total shit, then don't, don't wait six months. But if you can pace it, like do some of those things because most of them are free and you'll feel really proud of yourself. And then you go to the part where you're actually going to start paying money for help. And that's equally as important too. And, uh, 
Last thing, I didn't really say this at the beginning, but I've really, when I look back at journals from like 17, 18, and, and definitely very aware of it now, you know, the whole, the whole sort of path to enlightenment and understanding like energies and, and the energy that we're made of and the energy of the universe and like getting in touch with your higher self and like identifying like ego versus soul. Again, whole, whole other series of like seven podcasts probably, but that has really helped me now being on the other end of it. So having gone through and like identifying all these self-care things and really looking at my behaviors and, um, and then working with healthcare professionals, uh, to create, um, emotional, mental, physical wellness now, like to kind of approach the bigger picture, like, why am I here? Who am I? Who is that person inside of my head talking to me? You know, what's the true me? What's the meaning of life? That's been really interesting and has also given me a really interesting perspective on like the things that are problems and the things that probably aren't problems. So I'll talk more about that someday too. I feel like it's a, it's a big one to, to dig into. HoneyBook is an all-in-one business management platform for creative small businesses. I'm going to do something that I normally don't do, but I feel like it's going to benefit both of us. And I'm actually going to read some of the things that they sent through because sometimes I just say things like, I love honey, I love books, I love honey, I love books. And I want to make sure that you know what they do. First of all, over 75,000 photographers, designers, event professionals, and other solo entrepreneurs, also known as solopreneurs, have saved hundreds, if not thousands of hours a year with HoneyBook. That's a lot of people. HoneyBook makes it easy to streamline your process with client and calendar management tools, custom branded brochures, proposals, and contracts. You can even, this was a big deal to me. You can even get e-signatures, generate invoices, which I think is huge, and get paid faster, all with one online system. The system, HoneyBook. That's why we've partnered with HoneyBook.com to offer you, the Jen Gotcha's Okay Sometimes listener, 50% off the first year of HoneyBook with promo code JGOK. 50% off the first year of HoneyBook with promo code JGOK. So get started at HoneyBook.com today and use promo code JGOK for 50 percent off your first year. That's half off your first year. Again, honeybook.com promo code JGOK. P.S. Sorry if Phil was barking. He's just really excited about Honeybook. All right. Now here they are. All of the actions, well, at least the ones I can remember that I took to feel better when I was at one of my lowest points. I adjusted my diet, my physical activity, reached out for help from doctors, therapists, and friends, and explored a bunch of alternative healing. We are so lucky to have so many options for help. Check these out and see what resonates with you. At some point after Andrew left, so that was, by the time you hear this, it will have been two years ago, I realized that I needed to evaluate the relationships in my life and also just pop back into therapy because I had kind of been out outside of 
couples therapy. I had, hadn't really been in like regular therapy for myself in quite some time, although I went for a long time when I was younger. And I, I think I quickly realized after he left that like I was dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of things were starting to surface because all of the energy that I was putting on um, thinking about my marriage had now been redirected to me and just some things were coming to light. So, so the first thing I did was find a therapist and went to see her. And I only went for like a month or two, but she really did help me sort of like analyze some relationships, figure out how I was going to navigate the divorce and, and, and also like identify that, um, I was still mentally ill and I probably needed medication. I had been off medication for about five years and thought I felt fine. In retrospect, I was not fine. So the therapist sort of helped me to realize that I should be seeing a psychiatrist and identifying like what medication I should be back on. So I went to the psychiatrist who I initially was going to, well, I went to talk to him cause I was like, I need, I need help. He was great. Um, and in speaking to him, like what I, I was still in a little bit of a denial uh, as far as like that I needed help with bipolar. And I was like, really feeling the pressure at work to perform. And I was, um, I wasn't feeling great mentally because I was not taking good care of myself at all. And, um, and so my ADD was really bad. So I, so I was like sort of sneakily, like, let me try Adderall. I had been on Adderall before. It's great, especially when you want to not eat and feel like you're on a street drug, (laughs) <laughs> which is, which I'm not clearly, as you could tell, I'm not trying to sell you on Adderall. It's probably one of the worst, in my opinion, it, IMHL. It is a, it's a bad scene, man. But I was like, let me just try this because I just want to perform better at work. I, I, I want hours and hours of focus. I want to be able to lock in and man, if I eat a little bit less, that'd be great too. Um, we spent a few months trying to tweak the dosage of the Adderall or do time release or not time release. And it just was way too harsh for me. Um, it, it really exacerbated my anxiety. Um, I, I was thinking, I was thinking a lot. I was doing a lot. I was focused a lot. It was hard probably to be around. I think I was talking a lot and talking very fast and had a very dry mouth most of the time, drinking a lot of water. But it there was that was not going to be a long term solution, and so I came to terms with the fact that like I actually needed I needed to go back on my medication for bipolar, and so I talked to him about that, and he just said he wanted to be really conservative about how we approached it instead of just putting me back on the medications I was on at the levels I was on. He was like, let's just start slow, one at a time, stair step it, and see. And, and which I was like, please, no, come on, just let me go on what the dosages that I was on before with the medications I was on before. And he just really didn't want to do it that way. And, and I trusted him, but I also wanted like immediate satisfaction because I think like when you decide you really want the help, like you want it that day and you want it to go into effect. And I think it's really very, very, very important for me to stress across the board with the diet, exercise, sleep, taking care of myself, therapy, medication. This was not overnight. 
this was not overnight. This was the opposite of overnight. This was slow progression, small wins, periods of time where it felt like nothing was happening. But now being able to look back on it, a ton has changed. So anyways, when I realized that there would, there would be, it would not be a quick fix, I, I knew that I needed to address some of these other issues that I was having. So I felt like I had chipped away a little bit at the emotional stuff and sort of just setting myself up for success on how I was going to process the divorce and, and all of that. I had sort of cleared out some relationships and some habits, both personally and professionally, that I felt like were toxic. And then I had, you know, I had doctors in place. I had a great psychiatrist to get to get the medication going. And then I decided to figure out how I'm not one to 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 love diets, but I had probably over the course of like the last couple of years of my marriage and and the time after Andrew left had probably gained like, I don't know, 30 pounds, which I'm 5'4", so it's like that's that's a fair bit for a person of my stature. No clothes fit. I didn't feel like myself. And, and you know, at any weight when you, when you're larger or smaller than what you normally are, I feel like we all have like our, our baseline, whatever that is. It's not like a quote unquote perfect body. It's just like the body you feel comfortable in. And like, I was so far above that for me. It felt like I was wearing a suit. It was just weird and shameful and, and, and all of that. So plus it's just like the connection that food has to your brain. And, and I talk about that a little bit in the emotional eating episode, but it's like, I just knew I had to clear that up. So I had started researching, um, the bulletproof diet because I knew I was going to try and take and drink the coffee because I had, I had tried the coffee before I went on Adderall and it, it really worked. I just, it was like, you it kind of works better if you're following the diet a little even loosely just because you're drinking butter and oil. <laughs> and so I was when I did it but when I did it before I went on the Adderall, I was drinking the bulletproof coffee and using it to wash down a chocolate croissant every morning and I gained like 5 pounds in a week because that's not how it's supposed to that's not what what you're supposed to do. It's actually like part of a ketogenic diet, which I would love to try and explain to you, but I can't off the top of my head. I just decided that I would try it and I liked that it had structure and I liked the idea of accountability and I liked the idea that I knew the coffee worked and I just got lucky. It just like stuck, you know, I feel like with any like eating plan. It's like those first few days are so, it's just imperative that they go right. And I mean, I can't even count the amount of times I was like, I'm going to eat healthy. And like by noon on the first day, I'm just like elbow deep in a bag of chips. So it just stuck. It clicked. It, I felt great. I mean, that's the thing. Try eating right and tell me you don't feel awesome. I mean, it's a bummer that you can't eat pizza. But I, I just felt so great. And so so I stuck I ended up sticking with that for like three or four months, like very diligently. And and now I just sort of like moderation, which is the best thing for me. So it's so so as far as diet goes, 
after the ketogenic diet. I still drink bulletproof coffee every day because it really does help me with my focus. But as far as eating and drinking goes, I I both eat and drink. Uh, I try and do it in moderation. I definitely, if I go on vacation, am just eating and drinking whatever. Then I try and like live clean for the week after that. I focus like on portion control rather than like trying to like avoid major food groups like pizza and french fries. Those are food groups, right? But I try not to have pizza every night. But there have been weeks where I've had pizza three times and you know what? I don't I just don't shame myself about it and I and I try and stay on track and that's worked. And if you remember in the emotional eating, I also went to go see a food therapist. I, I've been very I mean the other thing is I've been very I've just been like actively looking for help. So if someone's like, you should try this, I try that. So um, so I did go to see a food therapist. I talk a ton about it in that episode, but it really gave me a great, a great set of tools. One visit and and it it like really gave me a great baseline on like ha- my relationship with food, which is very emotionally based. And and I feel like I've been able to shed a lot of that and just like have a healthier outlook on it. Um, and then exercise. So I primarily do. Lek Fit, L-E-K Fit, which Busy had introduced me to, I think it was like two years this March. So I had been doing it actually for a while. I just was like eating like shit while I was doing it. But I love it. It's so fun. We I do the bounce classes. So you're on a trampoline. You can, obviously a lot of people that listen to this podcast don't live in LA, but you can stream it online. Um, Lauren, who who created the class, is amazing. The class is so fun. I don't love exercise, although I'm finding things that I can fall in love with about it. I do love how I feel after I've exercised, and especially when you really sweat, it just feels so cathartic. So I've been really diligent about that. I don't go every day like like busy. I think she goes every day. Don't you, busy? seems like you do. She's just a badass. But I probably go three times a week and then I'll go on a hike or something. So so I I, I improved my relationship with exercise because I, I felt like it was a positive thing. And I like how it feels. And I also like how it feels to lay down in bed and not move and just watch 12 episodes of Seinfeld. But I just mixed it mix it up. So I would encourage you to find something that you love. It may not be it may not be bouncing around on a tr- on a trampoline. It may may be something else. Uh, flywheel is pretty fun too, or Soul Cycle, or all that. The last thing I did was really try and work on my. It, I think the catalyst was anxiety, but really understanding like why my brain is doing what I'm doing, what it's doing. And the podcast was a big catalyst for that. Writing this book is a big catalyst for that because I realized like there's so much negative self-talk that goes on. And then I um, started reading about our mind and our thoughts and our ego and how like our thoughts are not us. And my friend Ashley introduced me to Reiki healing, which is energy work. And um, this is the stuff that always feels weird for me to talk about because I know everyone doesn't know about this or believe in it. But that was the last piece in the puzzle for me, like really understanding 
that the world is made up of energy, that we are made up of energy, that our thoughts are not us, and that they are also not fact, even though it feels like it. I can't even count the times that my thoughts have led me so astray into self-doubt, self-hatred, self-sabotage, anxiety, depression. Um, And that's not to say that that's always the catalyst, but as I have worked on that, it has completely changed the range of my mental health issues along with the supplement of medication, you know, everything else that I'm doing, acupuncture. I mean, literally, I will try anything. I will try anything. I'm highlighting the things that have have had the most impact, but uh, maybe the after show will be, be me just rattling off a bunch of stuff that I've done. But really digging into that and and reading about that and learning about that and and like our souls and spirituality and um, universal energy and and just getting a different perspective on like the human experience and just distancing, just putting like the tiniest bit of distance between my thoughts and myself was for me the final piece in the puzzle that I found this like peace and tranquility that I had never had before. And (laughs) I think I'm going to cry talking about it. Dummy. Like a light. It's interesting because I felt it happen for myself. Like I felt myself kind of light up and, and then people started telling me that I'm a light and that I am bright. Like they just started using these adjectives over and over again. And I was like, that's so weird. It's weird when you hear, cause obviously like we all have our own personal experiences. So there are probably things that people say to you all the time that they don't say to anyone else or that no one else hears. But it really did do spark something in me. And so it, it just, I'm just operating on a, on a different level, not to say I'm not better than anyone. I'm just better than the version of me that I was six months ago and definitely better than a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And you know, what's cool about it. I still have so far to go. It's not even, it's not like, Hey, I've arrived. So here's the secret to my success is right here, right now. It's just like, these are the things I did. I stuck to it. I held myself accountable. I craved, craved improvement. I craved the idea of being better and feeling better and being a better version of myself. And um, with all of the talk of self-care, like I really introspected on what that meant. And sometimes it means, you know, well, it always means going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time, but I can't always do it. But it 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 means taking care of yourself in a really meaningful way, and that means work. I have read – I have spent so much money on Amazon. I've read so many books. I'm so interested in it. I've just been thoughtful in my approach. I've I've challenged myself to not say yes to the things that I reflexively say yes to and to not say no to the things that I've reflexively said no to. And all of it seems to be working. And again, there are reminders every day for me that there's still a lot of work to be done and I'll die working on it, but it feels so good. And I, I hope that something, some nugget in this helps you again. I feel like slightly embarrassed to be, to be like, this is what I did, but I just, I, it clearly comes through for people and I wanted to at least share it. 
in hopes that it will inspire you. And the thing that I was going to say before that I didn't say is like, I was bleaching, bleaching my hair. If you remember, it was platinum. And I, and I honestly think it was like, I was trying to become something else or someone else because I was just so unhappy with who I was that I was like creating this persona or something. I don't know, but it destroyed my hair. And I've always had like thick, glorious hair. And my mom one day was like, where did all your hair go? And I think I just, I just was so checked out that I didn't even realize what had happened. And like so much of my hair fell out. And so when Andrew left, I just decided like, I was just going to stop bleaching it. And if you remember my like half, it looked like half black, half white hair for a long time while I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then I just like, just started taking care of it and stopped covering it in bleach I mean I still get highlights but I just I started taking vitamins and brushing my hair and being kind to it and whispering sweet nothings into it and kissing every every single like I kiss each hair (laughs) before I go to sleep and that seems to work. So hopefully you can implement these practices into your own life and hair kissing will become the biggest trend of 2018. There's still time. You can feel better. You can be better. You can lose weight, gain weight, gain muscle, exercise more, exercise less. You can do whatever you want. You can take medication. You can find great doctors. You can find new friends. You can open yourself up to new careers and new opportunities. It's all possible. I promise. I'm proof. We are not done. We are just beginning. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Okay. Bye-bye. So there you have it. A heaping serving of help. This is my last episode of 2018, so let me say here and now, thank you so much for listening and emailing and stopping me in the street to give me a hug. That's actually my favorite part. This year has meant so much to me, and I'm really excited to see what next year has in store for all of us. So have an amazing holiday, a safe and happy new year, and thank you again for being you and for being Totally awesome. Bye. What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show, but it's the last after show of 2018. The pressure. What will I do? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Do you know? No, I was actually thinking I would tell you what I usually do on New Year's because you didn't ask and that's a reason for me to tell you, just like everything else. I like to, usually we'll have a small party over here. I I haven't done that the last couple of years, but when we do, and I do this anyways, but it's easier because there's a fireplace here. You know what? I'm just going to get to the point. We write down our intentions for the next year. Um, So a little bit less of a New Year's resolution, something a little bit deeper. Um, 
and then and we all talk about them and then we write down things we want to like uh sort of cleanse ourselves of from the past year and then we set those on fire and watch them burn <laughs> i highly recommend it and then you can make s'mores um but just make sure there's a fire extinguisher nearby if you're building a fire and not doing it in a fireplace. Okay, well, that'll do it. Have a safe and happy new year. I think I already said that at the end of the podcast, but it's worth repeating seven times. Be safe, be safe, be safe, be safe, be safe. One, two, three, four, five. Be safe, be safe. Okay, bye.